So, you know, thanks to Instagram, I was able to figure that out and start using them. And, and, and there's some guys on Instagram that are just so good. I, I, I think if you feel that you're a master in HVAC, you've just become complacent. There are so many techniques. There are so many things to continuously learn. The industry is always growing, you know, wh whether it be with the systems or whether it be with electronics that you can tie into these systems nowadays to make them smarter, to make them work more efficiently. Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. My name is Eric Thomas and I am the host of the show. And this podcast is powered by Rival Digital, a full service digital marketing agency for residential HVAC contractors. Let's dive in. Sure thing. Uh, my name is Jordan Gomez. I'm the owner and founder of Salt Air HVAC based on the east end of Long Island. We have been in business for about a year now, uh, full time, and it's been a blast. It's been a wild roller coaster and it's been super fun. Uh, one of the craziest things that I could, you know, just think of is owning your own company. Uh, I, I never saw myself doing this. Yeah. So what, what motivated you to start your own, your own business? Um, my father had a company since I was 12. So there was no sitting at home getting babysat. It was always jumping in the field and running thermostat wire or cleaning up after his guys. So uh, being inside the business has always been part of my life. Um, since then, I ran, you know, I worked for another HVAC company after I you know, left BOCES, which was like a a two-year school throughout 11th and 12th grade, you would go half the day to uh, school and the other half of the day you would end up going to like a trade school. Mm -hmm. That's where I got a lot of my uh, certifications and really just, I was an A and I was a C and B student to be tops. But when <laughs> it came to HVAC, I ended up being on like the principal's honor roll because I took that so seriously because I knew that this was going to be what was going to make me money, what was going to be my life. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> turning into that, and then, you know, worked at a, uh, a hospital for a while. I was uh, a lead HVAC engineer over there, designing, developing, you know, working on systems that ran old pneumatics from the early 60s, compressors that were just shot, but we had to keep them running because the hospital didn't have the, the money to pay for new uh, electronic systems. So half the hospital was on a Johnson backnet system, mm -hmm. and the other half of the hospital was running off of old school nomadics and there was i remember there was one floor in the hospital that wouldn't reach above five psi which you need more than that to open up the chill water valve so we would have like compressors and little cylinders of oxygen to open up the uh chill water valves come the summertime so oh wow um worked there for nine years you know just learning everything i could on the commercial and the large scale commercial and we had boilers that were no longer BTU rated. They were rated off of horsepower because they were so big, um, ripping them apart, working on them, cleaning them, you know, cleaning them and troubleshooting them when they would go down. Um, but then me and my director kind of had a separation. Uh, I didn't like the way I was being managed or micromanaged and, you know, HVAC was my field. This was my bread and butter. But he always had the, the the term and phrase, my gut tells me 
or, you know, his gut was the best HVAC mechanic I've ever met because it always knew the answer, even if it was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it just, uh, I always did like side work and then it just came to a forward, you know, I had that if I wanted to jump out and start doing HVAC full time, I made enough connections. Like I, I slowly built up my business and it wasn't legal. I was doing everything, you know, side jobs here, side job there, nothing substantial. But it, it got to a point where my name was getting passed around more and more for the quality of work and the attention to detail that I really like to do. That it, it all the all the cards lined up. It, it just was do it now or always look back and wonder what if I did it. You know, yep. could I have been successful? So do you still do any commercial work at all or is it strictly residential now? <laughs> we still do commercial work. So a lot of my commercial work is going to be, uh, I, I have a, a whole commercial plaza that I take care of. Um, so that's rooftop units, exhaust fans, because there's a paint shop inside there. Um, so all that work is what we do. Um, but also I work alongside a good friend of mine owns a HVAC company out West on the border of uh, the city. So I'll partner up with him when he has fun projects, you know, fun projects of swinging cranes on, you know, Central Park East or yeah, where we have to shut down the, where the permits end up costing more money than the equipment itself. To shut down a road in Manhattan, you have to have flagmen, you have to shut down a sidewalk, which is another permit. Uh, Swinging over, you know, a certain amount of stories is another permit. You know, the crane, the rigging, all that fun stuff is what I end up doing with him on the commercial side. So, yeah, I still keep the commercial in the back pocket because it's so much fun. It's so enjoyable. Yeah. So do you do you get a lot of do you get a lot of inbound residential leads uh, throughout the day or throughout the weeks? Or do you uh, just have a a book of business that you kind of tend to? We get leads all the time. It's like it's periodic with the leads. Um, it's consistent though, and that's the that's the crazy thing. You know, I do some advertising, not much. Uh, a lot of it's by word of mouth. A lot of it's by hey, we had this HVAC company, this larger HVAC company come, and they quoted us for X, Y, and Z. Do you know somebody? And from you know someone that I helped out in the past or some job that I've done in the past, my name gets passed around, um, which which is great. I love being referred by word of mouth. I like yeah. that more than just flat out advertisement, because I do love to advertise the work and the the style that I can bring to the table. But word of mouth means that you did a good job, you did so good that they want to recommend you to their friends, their family, and that holds more weight to me personally. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's still so much fun and, you know, it's yeah. still in the baby stages. If anyone ever, you know, thinks about jumping off and doing their own business, if you like working eight hours, stick to working for somebody else. Cause I don't yeah. think I've worked eight hours since I've started. Everything is 12 to 16 hour days. Yeah. That's what they say. The, the best part, <laughs> of, the best part about running your own business is that you get to choose which 80 hours you work each week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was two days last week. I just had to sit in the office for two days and, you know, do plans, do design, do development, and then do billing. You know, you can do all these jobs, but if you don't bill them out, if you don't properly stay on top of your books, you're never going to get paid. You're never going to get make any money and you're working for free at the end of the day. Yeah. 
So what are some of the challenges that you run into uh, when you're going up against some of the, you know, some of the bigger uh, HVAC businesses that have got 35, 40 employees and they're mm-hmm. kind of dominating mm-hmm. the space with advertising? Yeah. Um, challenges is just going to be time. They, they look at you and they're like, who are you? Where'd you come from? How many guys do you have working for you? Like you have to like do this whole song and dance and interview every time. Um, but everything that I can bring, like references, a lot of people out here don't want references. Hmm. They, they understand that you can get a reference. You can get like five, 12 year best references and hand it to them. They, a lot of people out here love Google reviews. Yeah. They, they love to make sure that you're good on Yelp, you're good on Google, that you didn't pay for these, you know, references. You're not giving us your best references of the clients that you made happy. They want to know about the clients that you didn't make happy, which right now are none. So we're going to try to keep it that way. Yeah. But yeah, going absolutely. against these going against these titans that are out here, you know, the East End, you have you have let me one you have about five shops that are big, that are well known, that are big, that are running some big crazy jobs and to go against them you got to make sure you're one you're one step ahead you know they they've been doing the same thing for 25 years 30 years you want to show that you're innovative that you're they, they take the classes to improve your business to give the best product possible to these people and and some of these larger companies have been running the same metal the same ductwork format for years and they never try to improve They, you know, they become complacent with their approach. You know, Oh, it's a big mansion. We're going to run, you know, a, a, a ton oversized because that's what we've been doing for all these years. When realistically you, you know, you can dial in these homes nowadays because they're so energy efficient. Um, so, you know, coming, coming against these big Titans is you got to make sure you're on, you're on your toes that you're always attacking. Yeah. And it comes down to a, a quality over quantity type thing. I've noticed with mm-hmm. a lot with a lot of the big companies, you know, they're going for how many houses can we hit in one day? You know, how yep. many how many trucks can we get on the road visiting four or five houses a day? So they're just going for numbers strictly. So there's a there's a lot of room there for that quality to suffer. Uh, whereas where you know you're not going for the high numbers, but you're going for the quality of the work, you can pay more attention to that that intricate detail and provide a better service and a better value for the customer. Yeah. Which is, I think that's more important. I personally, I I even tell my clients, Hey, I'll quote out a job. It's a three day project. But I tell them at the end of that sentence, say it's three day project. But if we run into issues or if I run into something that I don't like, it may be one day longer. And I'd rather take that one day to make sure everything is perfect. So when I walk away from it, I know that a, the customer is safe. The project was done, you know, to the best of my ability, it meets, you know, all the regulations that are out here on the East End. It meets the, the uh, specifications from the, uh, you know, from the equipment. That's what I'd rather do. I'd rather take that extra day to make sure everything is perfect. Yeah. And these guys, you know, you can't, you can't even knock on them because they're getting so much business. They're so busy. They got to move trucks. They got to move people. But at the end of the day, that project got to be done because you're not going back to that project. Yeah. tomorrow you're scheduled for another house and you're scheduled for another job. And that's when the bad Google reviews show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it does. It does. They spend five hours on a, an HVAC replacement and then 
they say it's all good and dandy and leave. And then the next day there's no heat blowing and the customer gets <laughs> pissed off and goes on Google and says, you guys suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we're, we're trying not to, trying to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the weight of that review is so much more than anything these days. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, people, people trust Google more than they'll trust a real person. Yes. Especially with they, those reviews. Those reviews will make or break you, which is, yeah. It's so crucial to have good yeah. customer service and Absolutely. good reviews. Um, so do you ask them for that review when you're done working with them, or do you just I, uh, rely on? I don't. Unit? I don't. I I like to walk away knowing that if they liked my service that much, that they would go ahead and leave a review. Yeah. I don't. I don't try to solicit reviews. I. That's the furthest thing from what Salt Air is about. Yeah, that's really cool. That's good because it's it seems like there are, um, you know, some parts of the industry gets a bad rep because there's so many of these these titans like you're saying they're just so money hungry and they're so hungry to dominate the areas mm-hmm. that they're just like get more reviews, get more customers, get more money. Uh, yes, that they they don't worry about quality and they're. That's when that's when HVAC businesses start to get you know a bad rep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the HVAC uh, in general, if you look at, if you ask people like, how do you feel about HVAC mechanics? Some people will tell you that they don't trust them. They don't, you know, they don't understand why they go to my house and they they were there for an hour and they charge three hundred dollars for a part and they don't they don't trust them. It, I feel like that trust has been broken throughout the years of not good craftsmanship and just customer service or the ability to talk to people and show them like, Hey, this is what's going on with your system. This is what we need to fix. And then you're going to be all good. And I, I, I try my best to bring that to the table because I feel like that's lacking in our industry. now nowadays, yeah, that quality work. I, I've come across jobs that it's, it's been a three ton machine with a four and a half foot plenum. And then just eight, nine, ten taps of flex, looking like an octopus, just <laughs> rolled out through the attic. And no wonder you can't get the right CFM. You don't have enough ductwork. You don't have enough abilities. And people look at that and they they you come down from the attic and you tell them the truth that hey, you don't have enough CFM. You, your house isn't heating or cooling the way it should because you don't have what you were specced out for. Because it was easier to run one piece of tap, one piece of ductwork, and eight taps off of it. Yeah. So how how do those conversations typically go? I mean, it, it, when you're breaking bad news to a potential customer, uh, but you're you know you're telling them exposing really <clears throat> a flaw in the design or a flaw in the previous installer's work, is it is it typically met with uh, you know a defensive type of uh, objection or are they very I guess responsive to it in a good way like appreciative half and half some are very apprehensive and they you know get their back up because they've been using this company for x amount of years and they feel like they've grown to have such a wonderful relationship with this company and they would never do that to them and the other half are so appreciative they're appreciative of the fact that i bring it to their attention like hey you have safeties jumped out on your system the safeties are there to protect your system why'd they jump them out because it was easier to do it that way. Or maybe they didn't want to come back for the part. 
You know, he called them here on maybe a Saturday or Sunday and they, they jumped it out real quick and they never scheduled a follow-up appointment. I always try to give the benefit of the doubt for companies because I don't know what their situation is. But at the end of the day, I do make sure I bring everything to the customer's attention. Yeah. Even even for jobs that I'm doing walkthroughs for just to you know throw a bid in there, if I see something that is not copacetic, like it just doesn't work and it doesn't line up and I feel like it needs to be brought to the attention, I bring it to the attention of the customer. If I win the bid or if I don't win the bid. As long yeah. as I know I walked out of there doing my due diligence, I'm happy. I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I, I was able to help them out, even if I don't get the job. At the end of the day, I, I did my best. Yeah. And that goes a long way uh, for you and for the customer because the customer mm-hmm. knows that, you know, these people are trustworthy or, or that you're trustworthy, I mean, and, uh, you know, that you're going to tell them what they need, not just sell them more stuff just so you can make more money. Mm-hmm. So is there, and, uh, you go ahead. No, no, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of, I guess, like selling, is there, is there a particular brand or product that you recommend or that you always use and go to, or are you just kind of based on what they need or what they want? Right now, um, I have on my ductless system installs, I have a good, better, best system. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, my best being Mitsubishi. My good, I know, good, better, best. So my good is Toast. Uh, T-O-S-O-T. Um, they're like this company out of the city. They have some pretty cool products. They they stack up, you know, very nicely. They're a little price cheaper than, uh, than a Fujitsu. Um, and they seem to be a solid system, but no one knows them. So I haven't really been able to sell too many of them. Um, next up, I do sell Fujitsu. I, I am a, a, not a, a dealer, but a contractor for them. So I do get the better warranty on the, you know, on the compressor and on the parts. Um, and the best is, is Mitsubishi. It is that, that's how I feel personally. And that's what I try to sell them as, um, yeah. for residential units. It really depends on the application. It depends if a lot of, you know, a lot of my machines are on the water. So I look for coastal machines that have good ratings. So Bryant and Carrier make a very good coastal machine. They they sit on the beach. They get pounded by hurricanes. They get pounded by um, the salt and the sand and the sun 24-7. So I look for a solid machine like that. Something that has like a, a good coating on the coil, something that, that is going to be able to stand the test of time. If I move further inland and if we're looking at like um, – an average regular person's home, we can run with a, a ream unit, you know, something that's not going to break the bank, but it's going to do a great job. And I, and I feel highly confident in the product that I'm selling them. I'm not going to sell them some no name, you know, cheaper machine because it's cheaper in my wallet. I could profit more. I don't want to go back to callbacks. That's the, that's the last thing I want to do because then you're losing money. Yeah. I'd rather sell them a quality machine. that's going to last them, you know, eight, 10, 12 years because the life expectancy on the island is is shorter. It's mm-hmm. just that salt air destroys coils. The aluminum on coils. I have a an 80 ton train chiller that I take care of. It is seven years old and the coil is shot. I can't even clean the coil anymore because just lightest water pressure deteriorates it. Wow. I've heard yeah. that before uh, from someone else that I was interviewing once on the podcast from 
he was in the Outer Banks, which is in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, and he was saying, because they're, I mean, they're like pretty much in the water. Uh, mm-hmm. and he was saying the the air from the, you know, the, the salt air, which I, you know, kind of plays to your name there. <laughs> uh, but the salt in the air, he said, it just straight up destroys units quicker, you know, by four or five years than a regular unit somewhere, yeah. you know, inland. I was, so how, I was, how do you go I was about flown out. Uh, I was just, uh, what are you saying? I'm sorry. I, yeah, I was just saying. So, like, when you get when you get those customers that are on the island, do you try to you know offer them more of a like a an extended warranty on it, or like are they aware that their unit's going to probably go quicker? Depending on their on where they are, yeah, we do make sure that they understand. Like, hey, you know, this is the unit that we're specking you out it's meant to be here or if it's you know out of your price range we could spec you out a machine that's going to last you still you know five to seven years but it's not going to give you as much as the other machine's going to do so it's like it's a pay me now pay me later kind of deal here yeah but we we know there's little tricks and tips that we do you know we don't i don't leave the filter dryer outside because the filter dryer is something that rusts and gets you know porous so i make sure i leave them all inside i'll braise them right next to the air handler rather than leaving them on the outdoor unit. Something, you know, little tips like that will actually help the longevity of the machine. Huh. That, you know, I just countless times I've walked up to machines that are dead flat, you put some nitrogen in them, and then you spray down the filter dryer that looks like it's of one large rust circle, and there's just bubbles coming up left and right, and that's that's your weak, your weak link right there. Yeah. So I know you said that you, you refer a lot on like word of mouth and you don't really do a ton of advertising, but I've, we, we, we found you on Instagram. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're very active on Instagram. Has that, I am. has that helped you get more customers or do you mainly just use Instagram just for, uh, just to like keep up with others in the industry? It has gotten me customers, um, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram because of the locational, you know, the ability to tag your location. Mm-hmm. It actually brought in a few uh, customers from different areas, which is nice. Um, the Instagram was really started just to keep up with the industry. Um, your supply house is only going to have what the supply house has. And, you know, you'd have like four or five supply houses that you go to. But keeping up with the industry and keeping on that cutting edge, you know, I think is is all due to Instagram. There's products that I found out that that uh, that I use now. Um, Airx being one of them, found them on Instagram. I love them. I think they leave such a nice, polished, finished look. You know, you're doing these installs on these multi-million-dollar homes, and you're going to put a hole in the wall and fill it with some silicone. That's the practice for years. But Airx has come up with a solution to make it look good, to make it look, you know, not like a hole in the wall. So, you know, thanks to Instagram, I was able to figure that out and start using them. And and there's some guys on Instagram that are just so good. I, I I think if you feel that you're a master in HVAC, you've just become complacent. There are so many techniques. There are so many things to continuously learn. The industry is always growing. You know, whether it be with the systems or whether it be with electronics that you can tie into these systems nowadays to make them smarter, to make them work more efficiently, and even simple things like surge protectors. Surge protectors on ECM motors, surge protectors on out, you know, uh, units that have PCB boards on the outdoor inverters. 
things like that all help to you know allow the basic HVAC installer to be aware like hey maybe we should start selling a surge protecting system on all of our you know ductless installs because it's going to help the compressor it's going to call it's going to cause us less callbacks but it's going to also one up us from the competition because when they look up our bid versus the next bid and ours has a surge protector on it and the reason why we're putting that surge protector in there versus the next guy who just says basic line voltage connection from disconnect whip to machine it's it's that little stuff that helps you just stand out a little bit more yeah and you learned a lot of that on instagram or from people. I, I learned, yeah, I learned a good amount of it on Instagram um, from just guys having issues with dirty voltage, having, you know, issues with going from, you know, 200, 208 volts to 190 volts, you know, in, in, the, in their system. So I have, you know, there's some things that guys have done that I've adapted their practices. I've hit them up on DMs and just said thank you for posting this because now this is going to be a, a now a common practice for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd always thought that <clears throat> before. You know, before we started the podcast, I was thinking I'm going to reach out to people on Facebook. I was thinking like that's where people would be, um, but I've quickly realized that like Instagram is is where all the HVAC dudes hang out. And uh, <laughs> and then even when I was when I was interviewing uh, Ben Poole from HVAC Tactical last week, he was even saying like Instagram is the spot. Like that is where that's where everyone's at, and the community on Instagram is uh, they're just it's just so much more like, like just friendly there everyone, you know, they're always collaborating with each other and sharing stuff. And you don't see that a lot on social media. You know, a lot of times on social media, you see negativity and you see arguments and you see all this other stuff and, and not saying that there isn't, you know, the fair share of that within the, <laughs> the HVAC industry on Instagram. <laughs> um, but I've noticed way more collaboration over arguments and debates. Yeah. There's, there's guys, you know, Howard, Howard Mechanical out of a, out of DC, Maryland area. He is, I love him. I love his, I love his technique. I love the way he does things. I, I reach out to him countless times, you know, Hey, what do you think about this and running stuff for him and even Flintstone, anything when it comes to, you know, boilers, like, how do you feel about this for a boiler versus this boiler? He'll get back to me in a matter, you know, matter, you know, guys working. So it may matter of hours, but he'll, he'll have a solid reasoning on why he chooses this over this and that community I love, I, I just love the positivity, you know, these guys, if I, if I ever would have the, the opportunity to work with them, I would gladly work with them. Um, yeah. because I, I love the quality of work and I love their knowledge. And I just, you know, that, that upbuilding community is, like you said, it's something that you don't really find on social media platforms. Yeah. So what, what's your response to the, I guess, like the stigma of a chuck in a truck that people are always mentioning? A chuck and a truck. I don't know what that is. So I, it's like a it's a phrase that people use when it's just like a one man show, um, rather than one of the you know the big titans that's got twenty five thirty vans out on the road. I think everyone starts from somewhere. Yeah. Um, these guys, you know, maybe when they had the twenty five thirty five trucks, you know, they've worked up to that level. They didn't, you know, they who's to say what was what it was like thirty five you know twenty five years ago. If you, you know, I, I am almost like a one man truck. I, I, I run my own business. I, I, you know, I, I, do, I do the billing, the bookkeeping, the installs, but I do have a duck guy. I do have a commissioning guy that works along with me. Um, but everyone started from somewhere. Everyone has had that ability to either make it or break it. 
And, you know, some of these bigger guys, you know, bigger companies, they might have been able to collaborate with a few other guys and get more money and more backing so they can make their, you know, their business grow a lot bigger sooner. But that one guy in the truck, as long as he's doing good work, as long as he's putting his customers first, then you can't, you can't knock him. Yeah. There's, there's guys like uh, Steve Lev. You ever hear Steve Lev? He's out of like Boston area. He's a, yeah. Yeah. He's this crazy guy on YouTube. But he's a single guy out of a truck and you know, he's been doing oil, he's been doing gas and he, he does well. He keeps his customers happy. So, you know, he maybe doesn't want to get any bigger. Maybe he's, yeah. you know, complacent with being that one person. So what would your advice be to someone, you know, wanting to leave their job and start their own HVAC business? My advice for someone just to be ready, be ready to work long days um, for, you know, the same amount of money. But at the end of the day, as long as you're happy and you're able to do the best by your customer, then you should go ahead and do it. You should you should never have the, uh, the apprehension. If you feel comfortable, you know, doing HVAC, go right ahead. Awesome. Well, Jordan, I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day to be on the podcast with me. No, I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, I'm very happy to do the podcast. Very, very happy. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. Rival Digital has just launched our private Facebook group that is completely free for HVAC contractors to join. Here, you'll be able to collaborate with other contractors, business owners, and marketing professionals alike and get insight on new creative ideas to grow your business. 